This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. The Ontario Liberal Party elects their leader tomorrow and Sunday in in in-person voting, and the result gets announced at a convention next week. One of those seeking that nomination is the current mayor of Mississauga. She is Bonnie Crombie, and she joins us now in Toronto Today. Welcome back to the show. It's great to have you on. Good, good morning. Thanks for having me on. What a run it's been with for all four of you at 1.5 of you to travel the province and find out about what Ontario residents want. What have you learned that maybe you didn't know in April and May about what Ontario residents do want from a government, Bonnie? So a couple things. First of all, I, I was reminded how beautiful our province is. You know, there's these little gorgeous pockets that we've all been to once or twice. And I thought, wow, how come I haven't come back here? Little towns like Almont and Kincardine and Godrich and Fort Francis and Port Pelee. I mean, my goodness, how gorgeous our, our, town, our towns are in, in southern Ontario, northern Ontario, east and west. But everyone has the same complaint. They feel neglected and isolated by this government and the policies of the government don't speak to them. And that's what I've been hearing. They say the government isn't in it for them. They're in it for themselves and their rich friends, not for average Ontarians. Now, I read the poll. I, I read the polls and I hear some of that as well. But do you concede this is still a popular government in a lot of pockets? The polls say so. The polls say they keep a majority if we had an election today. So you, you do have minds to change, don't you, through this process? Mm-hmm. Well, they just haven't met me yet. That's what I like <laughs> to say. <laughs> you know, I've seen some polling as well that if I were the leader today, then we're within a few seats of them. So it, I'm not going to deny there will be a, a lot of hard work and a lot of campaigning and, and a lot of policy revision that speak to the small towns and rural communities, northern communities, agricultural communities. But it's going to be done because you got to be on the road. you got to be listening to people right across the province. Bonnie Crombie is our guest in Toronto today. How does life become more affordable for someone listening in Ontario? How does it affect their pocketbook? we got a lot of politics swirling around us, protests, people on this side, that side. Mm-hmm. It's a heavy tension time, but I know that when they sit down at night and they look at their husband or wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, they look at their kids trying to go to college, sometimes it's about the bottom line and it's what's in their bank account. How does life become more affordable? You focus on people. This government doesn't focus on people. It focuses on their rich friends and how they can enrich them with more party favors like MZOs. As liberals, we care about people, marginalized people, racialized people, and policies that will help people, whether it's giving them incentives to get on a smart grid, whether it's giving them incentives to do the right thing, to buy an EV vehicle, whatever it might be. You know, we got to build more housing, but not just market housing, but, you know, housing that's rent geared to income that's affordable, affordable for everyone. And that takes a level of cooperation that we haven't seen from this government. We need three levels of government to come together with the home building community and other stakeholder groups to get it done. Rather than pointing fingers and blaming everyone, let's work together and get the job done. I was going to ask about the EV incentive. It was canceled by the Ford government. The Wynn Liberals had brought it in. Is that a pledge of yours to return it? It's something I'm looking at. Yes, it's something we need to do. We need to have a plan because by 2035, we'll all be driving electric vehicles. Yet I don't see the plan, the strategy in place to ensure that that happens. I sit on the electro board and we're very worried about having the electric capacity um, to 
uh, at mm-hmm. night. So when everyone plugs in their vehicles to charge, they can get them charged overnight. And and by the way, where are the uh, charging stations? We have no strategy for that yet. And when the vehicles wear out, what do we do with those worn out batteries, those used batteries? So there's a lot to think about, a lot to think about going forward. And then I don't see any strategy. Well, I think you're right, because you're going to hear from your mayor right now in Mississauga. And if you're premier, anybody who's premier is going to hear from mayors saying, what about our electricity grid? What about our capacity? What do we do with a with a 15 story condominium building? How do we put charging stations in? If we're asking people to drive electric cars, we got to give them options. Well, what about a a 50-story tower where there's a Mm -hmm. thousand units and everyone wants to plug in overnight? And where's the plan to bring more renewable energy onto the grid? So, so much to think about. Quite coincidentally, I sit on the electric board and we have a board meeting today. And these are the kinds of things that we're worried about and stressing Mm -hmm. about as well. Bonnie Crombie is our guest on Toronto Today. This is what I hear from people who are dyed-in-the-wool liberals. And I think they're right about this. All four candidates impressed them. All five. I should add Liberal MPP Adil Shamji in, who endorsed you a few months ago and, and dropped out of the race. But this is what I hear, and I know you've heard it. I think liberals want everyone brought into the fold. I think they think it's the ticket to victory. So uh, we see some success stories in the states where Democrats go at it during the leadership. And then Barack Obama names Hillary Clinton as secretary of state or Joe Biden brings in a Pete Buttigieg. They disagree in the process of some things, but they get under the same tent. Are you prioritizing this? And I specifically, I guess, would reference Yasser Nakvi and Adarskin Smith. They're both right now liberal MPs. You've had differences of opinion with them and they with you. Can you bring them under the same tent and make this work for the liberals to win? I've always been saying that we are a big tent and we need everyone and we have an all-star team. Any one of the candidates uh, that are running for liberal leadership would make a better premier than the one that have, that is in place today. And that's what's so exciting. It's a choice that our, our liberal family has to make this weekend. They, can, they won't make a mistake. Any one of us are better than what they have now. So they're going to pick, but I know what liberals want. They want to win in 2026, so they're looking for a winner. Right now, the decision is, who can we pit against Doug Ford, who will win in 2026, so we can change the path that this provinces on and put the focus back on people, average Ontarians that really can't afford their quality of life anymore. When you look back at last summer, when the Liberals get nine or eight seats, they're up to nine now with a couple by-election wins, which does show the momentum in the party. What do you think went wrong in the campaign that you could avoid going wrong in 26? You know, I I don't want to speak to that because I think a lot of postmortems have been done. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that I, I think that maybe, you know, the leader wasn't well known enough. COVID was a factor. The party wasn't raising enough money. That's all going to change. I'm a well-known entity. People right across, even Chaplow, Ontario, we were driving from Sault Ste. Marie to Timmins, stopped in to get a coffee in a little hub, little pub, cafe in the day, pub at night called in Chaplow. <clears throat> and I walked mm. in and the, <laughs> the, the owner who was behind the bar looked up and did a double take and said, oh my goodness, what's the mayor of Mississauga doing in Chaplow? So will a leader that will be known right across the province will have policies that focus on the needs of people that care about people in their towns and their communities. And I know very much that we can win. And, and don't forget, COVID was a bad factor last time uh, in the last provincial election. So for, for many reasons, um, we weren't there, but we're going to be back. In fact, 
liberals are back. We're back now. You know that there's a spark in the Liberal Party right now. When we go to meetings in, in our ridings and local communities, so many people show up that want to listen, that want to meet us, the meet me. Yeah. You know, I was in Peterborough, there were 200 people. Cochrane, Ontario, I had over 35 people at lunch in a small town of 1,200. So, you know, it's, 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 everything's changed. Uh- I know you've talked about Doug Ford. Um, I would pose that the NDP are more organized than they were before last election as well. I think they have a more uh, more energy and momentum behind their leader, Marit Stiles, than they did behind Andrea Horvath. Would you concede you need to differentiate the liberals from the NDP? I, I think they're organized and I think they're a threat. You need some of their seats as well, don't you? I do, and I intend to take them as well. I know they're having their own issues right now, um, and they've got uh, a lot of work to do. But listen, I'm focused on the prize, and that is Doug Ford, and we are going to win in 2026. We're going to have a well-financed campaign, and every seat is up for grabs. Housing has become such a massive issue in the last year, uh, hasn't it? Have we all been have we all been a little late to the process? We talk about education, healthcare; those are the things that we talk about nonstop in our house. But now we look to our two teenage sons in the Brady House and we say, "We need this to get better. We don't want them to have to move to the states or to Alberta or to the Maritimes. All beautiful places, and people make their choices. But for Ontarians that want to stay here and help their kids, what can you offer them as premier in terms of buying a first home?" Yeah, so you're absolutely right. The majority of, of Ontarians care about their health care and it's drifting into private medicine and our education system, which is ill-funded and we need more teachers. But for the young people, they've lost the dream of actually owning their home. And as a mayor, I really care about that. I've done a lot of work to bring investment into Mississauga, so I created jobs. And I have always said, I want my young Mississaugans, young Ontarians, to live and work in their community. So that was always my focus. And we, early days, um, five, six, eight years ago, created a plan called Making Room for the Middle so that Average people had housing that they could afford. You know, people in the salary range of family income under $100,000. So, you know, whether you're a nurse or a teacher or a police officer or a librarian, there was housing for you within your community. So this is an emphasis we put in place, but we need the cooperation of different levels of government. And I Mm. can see that we haven't had it. And that's what we need to bring everyone to the table so that we can move forward. Yeah, it's all hands on deck. Hey, everybody's going to vote uh, 100,000 people this weekend, uh, liberal members. It's a huge, huge push. Um, good luck tomorrow and Sunday and of course next weekend Thank as well you. and thanks for making time for our audience thanks for having me hope to see you again thank you please please go out and vote if you're a liberal member Bonnie Crombie have a great weekend thank you thank you Greg. there's Bonnie Crombie Ontario uh, Ontario Liberal uh, Party leadership candidate and current mayor of Mississauga this is Toronto Today with Greg Brady Toronto's news today's talk 640 Toronto what's going to transpire near Pearson Airport in Peel region and we bring on the mayor of Brampton. He is Patrick Brown. Patrick, it's always great to have you on. Thanks very much for the time. Yeah, Greg, my pleasure. You made an agreement uh, yesterday with the federal government. Uh, Peel Regional Council did, and it involves a new reception center near Pearson Airport. And I know you, other leaders, other MPs and MPPs have been just clamoring for this. Tell us the details about it. Yeah, we've been pushing for this since July, uh, knowing that there's been a surge in asylum claimants. Uh, to, To give you the scope of this, our shelter system is at 321% capacity. Uh, 68% of the spaces are used by asylum claimants. 
pre-July, the average was 4%. So it's just taken over our shelter system. Um, we knew there was a pending humanitarian crisis. You can't have a thousand people um, out on the street, uh, and we needed help. Um, and so this was this was desperately needed. Um, I was very worried. I was I was pretty hard on the federal government in in recent weeks uh, uh, that you know there was going to be blood on our hands if we didn't find a solution. We had one fatality last yeah. week, um, and this agreement is going to prevent that. This agreement is going to allow us to. I handle all this new additional capacity. But you were emphatic last week and you were emotional. Um, people could see, uh, you know, the raw pain of announcing that someone had passed away. Have you wished over the last several weeks, and I, you don't have to mention names, but have you wished more mayors, more leaders of municipalities would kind of say what you said last week? It might have got the ball rolling faster for the entire process of the federal government doing this, correct? Well, I, I would say this uh, crisis has very much existed in the um, in the GTA. So I'm not sure every city is seeing the same crisis that we are um, in the GTA. Certainly, we see it in Peel because that's where Pearson Airport is. Um, but you know, this was an avoidable death, um, mm-hmm. and you know, we're we're talking about asylum claimants largely from um, Africa with no experience with the Canadian winter, and so you just knew there was. A ticking time bomb in the sense that as the weather got colder, um, there was going to be people who were sleeping on the street uh, that would be in very precarious positions. And Greg, you, you wouldn't believe it. I, I, I've been visiting the asylum claimants, um, and last week I was speaking to a number of them, and they asked me um, outdoors, and it was relatively mild um, weather. I think it was um, two degrees, and they asked me if it would be getting colder. They don't know. Um, and it's a, no idea, no no idea what, what was to come. Um, they didn't have jackets. They didn't have uh, blankets. And so this was a pending disaster. Um, this uh, this reception center near Pearson Airport, I, I've gotten word that it, it's uh, it's an, an older hotel. How would you describe what the reception center is? Is that accurate? It's an old hotel? So um, we have uh, three properties that the region has been able to um, obtain. It, it will, um, you know, these uh, properties uh, uh, will give us 800 additional new um, sh- uh, shelter spots. And essentially, it's going to be dorm style. Um, so there are some retrofits that are happening. We're going to be able to get two of them up and running within weeks. And then uh, the larger welcoming center that you're speaking to probably won't be ready till February. But you know, the initial ones we're going to be able to get online um, almost immediately. Um, and so dorm style is like roommates. Is that the best way to describe it as well? Yeah, I, I think yeah, a common a common sleeping area. Yeah, and you and it sounds like you you're getting these operational very quickly. This isn't a spring and summer thing. This this will cover uh, much of the oncoming winter, and I guess the big one closer to the new year. Yeah, the the first two locations will get 250 mm-hmm. additional beds um, almost within uh, weeks. And why that was so key in that number is right now every night. Um, what we see outside the shelter is about 150 people mm. sleeping outside. So this deals with the immediate crisis. Local churches have really taken on a lot of the capacity as well, but the, you know that's only sustainable yeah. for so long. Um, we've got about a minute and a half here, but I want to ask you about international students. And I know you mentioned it last night, and it's maddening and it's frustrating. I want students to be able to come here from other countries and experience the best of Canada, and right now they're not. Um, there's a lot of darts being thrown at, at colleges, Patrick, that for just taking too many people on and whether I don't, I'm not saying the colleges are misleading these students, but something's getting lost in the translation along the way. 
I, I don't you think it's incumbent on these other levels of government to step up? And I don't think they've said nearly enough because this is a disaster for them and it's impacting Canadian residents as well. Yeah, for some reason, this has been sort of a taboo uh, topic. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, students are the victims here. You know, Canada has you know, allows now 700,000 international student visas, a, a record. Um, and there are some universities that do a great job at accommodating, accommodating international students. But frankly, there's a lot of colleges um, where it's uh, a paper mill, where it is really an ATM um, to subsidize their activity. You've got you know, some colleges where they're essentially almost entirely all international students, um, and you're allowing international students to be abused. They're, they're here to work hard to chase the Canadian dream, and far, far too often I see 12 students living in a basement apartment in deplorable conditions. So in what world are we allowing some of these institutions to take the life savings of international students yeah. um, and not have any plan for housing I have no idea, um, but I'm out of time. Let's have more conversations about it, and I appreciate you saying what needs to be said. I want more mayors. I want more politicians at every level saying what you just said about it because um, it's not right, and it's not fair to anybody. No one's winning except maybe the colleges in this case. I got to go, but thank you for the time, and this is good news for uh, for your region and, and the city of Brampton for sure. Thanks for the time. Thank you so much. There's Patrick Brown joining us. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. May get easier. Easier if you're coming into the city via the GO train and then need to get on the TTC. The TTC moving ahead. It's hard to see many flaws in this as long as the money's made up. The TTC plans to get rid of double fares by early 2024. To explain some of the principles involved, we welcome back to the show Jamal Myers. He's the TTC board chair, city councilor as well. Good morning. It's great to have you on. Morning. How are you? Really good. Um, is there? Um, is, does this look like a win-win to you? Obviously, um, this is something that you came in as board chair. There's a lot. There was a lot of talk about this for the last couple of years. Does this make life easier for the transit rider? Uh, absolutely. This makes life easier for riders that are coming in from the 905, uh, and it makes life, life easier for riders going from the 416 to the 905. It makes life easier for riders traveling uh, within the 416. So if you want to take the bus to the GO train and go somewhere, this double flare is eliminated. And just one quick correction. Okay. You know, this is an initiative of the province of Ontario. They deserve the full credit for this. They are paying 100% of the cost of this reimbursement. Uh, so all credit will go have, has to go to them. The TTC, though, ha- board has voted to agree to allow the program to include the TTC. Yeah, I, I think what I, what I meant, and you're right about the, the clarification, is there's been a bit of a drumbeat to say, how do we make it all easier? Even to be, to be able to tap your debit card or credit card, Jamal, like, like three years ago, there were complexities with a Presto card. You got to tap on here, tap off here. You might be on three different routes of transit, streetcar, subway, go train all in one day. And you got to have a bunch of different cards for each thing. Exactly. So we are just trying to make that customer experience better. Uh, we hope to have this up and running by February 2024. Uh, the province has indicated that it is willing to fund this for an initial two years up to 2026. And if the program is meeting certain success metrics, Hopefully, they will continue the program. Are the metrics about customer trips, or is that, and that goes hand in hand with revenue, is that just what it ends up being about? Um, so some of the metrics are about customer trips, uh, how many people are actually using it, the volume, where they're going. Um, and it's estimated this will cost between 40 to $60 million. 
Um, and again, all credit goes to the province for picking up this bill. Uh, but you know, one of the things I have to I have to emphasize is that the board also voted that if the province does, decides not to continue the program past 2026, that the TTC will not be funding it. Okay, so that's an interesting one because 2026 will come around and there'll be a new there'll be a provincial election that year that potentially factors in as well. And there obviously will be a new municipal election. So if we have new leaders at the helm, they'd have to agree in principle to keep this going by that year, I suppose. Yes. And, you know, we fully support this program. We think this is the way forward. We are just not in a position to pay for it. And we had to be very, very clear and upfront mm-hmm. with our riders about that. Jamal Myers is TTC chair joining us. You think this will especially help. Uh, you're in Scarborough and we've talked about um, your trials and tribulations and, and your constituents getting downtown, especially since the trains uh, haven't been running from Scarborough towards the city anymore. How will this help residents in North York's mentioned in an article I read last night as well? How will this help people the further out they are, Jamal? So I'll just take an example. If you take the 85 Shepherd, uh, you can take it to Agent Court Go, get the train from Agent Court Go, go right into Union Station. It'll probably shave, uh, depending on where you're coming from, up to half an hour from your trip. It'll also make it easier for those people going to Markham, Richmond Hill, Durham. Um, so there's a lot of good in this program, and it also takes some of the pressure off of the TTC. Um, particularly the shuttle service that we're running to replace the Scarborough RT and just, you know, line one and line two, which you know, often are crowded in the mornings. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of good in this initiative. A couple more um, for you and one certainly um, to do with transit. Um, we're seeing data that shows uh, Uber drivers are really busy in Scarborough and they're getting people into the city. But you know, and I think some of our listeners know, that because new licenses aren't being issued anymore, if you're a newer Uber driver, you could pick somebody up in Scarborough, get them into the downtown, but then you can't, you can't make it worth your while to pick somebody up on the way back. Is that, are, are you hearing anecdotally that that ends up being the case, that the volume is just much more considerable than it used to be coming from Scarborough to the city? I've heard anecdotally that it's much uh, higher. I've also seen some data, and this is from Duda, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, Uber, so take it with a grain of salt, that a lot of people are using Uber to actually go to TTC stations. And this is something I've done myself. Yeah. Um, either they're going to Kennedy, um, Scarborough Town Center, Warden, Victoria Park. So there is data that generally yeah. supports that notion that people take these ride shares in order to get to map, rap, rapid transit stops. Yeah, but it's rough, isn't it? Because, you know, times are tight and I know you want your constituents not to have to be paying for, you know, they didn't plan perhaps a year ago on having a, a more expensive and extensive Uber budget uh, to get from point A to B. They want to use public transit. But to your point, it's been made more difficult because of uh, of the lack of funding for people in Scarborough. It has been. And I mean, some of it also, I think, is maybe a cost benefit analysis. So people mm-hmm. perhaps aren't going to work as often. So maybe taking that Uber two days a week to get into the office makes sense if you're not doing it five days a week, Mm. if you you get where I'm coming from. I do. I do. Jamal Myers, our guest, uh, TTC TTC Chair, City Councilor. Um, I know you're probably aware of uh, what's happening in in the city. I know it's not your ward, but there's going to be a lot of talk about it today with the encampment office um, going to clear out a, a, a uh, an encampment outside of Kensington Market. It's a difficult situation. We're not going to be in the next two or three minutes or even in the next three or four days to be able to solve the homelessness issue in Toronto. What's your reaction to uh, to the plans here for today? 
you know, I've been reading it. It's a, it's a tough, tough issue that a lot of my downtown colleagues have to deal with. Um, you know, you have to balance uh, various stakeholders, public safety, as well as just making sure that you're treating these people who are really at the margins of society with some dignity. Um, from what I understand, there is a fire hazard, mm-hmm. uh, but I also understand that the church has offered to allow the city to temporarily clear the fire hazard and allow the residents to remain. So I don't know the situation uh, as well as the local councillor does. That's not my ward. Um, I just know that these situations are extremely difficult and challenging for all of my colleagues. They really are. Now, it, it, a councillor like yourself, um, there's no vote here. Like you kind of like you said, you're you're kind of hearing about this. I think most people are asking, Jamal, what spurred this sort of the the why now? There's no good time to do it. There's no horrible time to do it to help out the residents around here. But how does this manifest itself and, and people decide, OK, today's the day and this is where we're going? I don't know the answer to that because, again, I, I don't have these types of issues, uh, fortunately, in Scarborough North. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it could be that there is a legitimate fire hazard. Sometimes it could be that mm. perhaps there have been incidents of violence. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the question here. I just know that there are, very, there are different instances that might trigger the city to finally do something. Uh, it might be pressure from local residents. I, again, I don't yeah. know the I don't know the details. I've just read the story, just like you have. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Jamal, thanks so much for coming on the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Appreciate you coming on this morning. Thanks, Craig. You too, Jamal Myers, TTC Board Chair uh, and City Council. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. Six forty, Toronto. Our producer is uh, Sheba Siddiqui and joins us right now. Uh, do you have Black Friday plans? I don't feel like you're a get up early. You're with me this morning until nine, uh, like a prisoner. But uh, but like nine o'clock stores shopping no, nothing not, not this year I don't know I just don't feel like shopping this year no uh, usually I, I kind of keep an eye you know I don't like getting in the lineups I don't I'm not that you're right I'm not the person that shows up at six a.m. to stand in a freezing cold lineup to get something uh, but I will keep an eye on my inbox for anything online and I will you know peruse some of my favorite stores online this year I'm just not feeling it. Yeah, the uh, I fa- I was we were looking for the term Black Friday, and a listener sent me uh, via Twitter DM. Uh, I was like, when did that term start? It started in 1981 in the United States, but it started here in 2008, and that's about my memory of it. And the listener said that it's because the dollar was at par then. Do you remember when the mm, dollar was like yeah, right line? Yeah, and sometimes the Canadian dollar was higher. It was such a weird time with the United States kind of going into recession first um, around 07, 08, and you could get like more Canadian money and suddenly retailers in Canada started because we only really kept Boxing Day and we never made Black Friday our own. That was an American thing, but we kind of grabbed it. And Yorkdale opens at seven this morning. Eaton Center opens at seven. So, yeah, there will be a bit of a a rush to these stores. You found a survey about um, anger in the province of Ontario, and I was really surprised by some of the numbers. So was I. So this 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 is a poll that was conducted the first two weeks of November. It polls Canadians uh, over the age of 18, and it tells us that we're one of the angriest people in the province, uh, sorry, in the country, in Ontario. Now, there are different reasons for that. Um, you know, there's a heightened level of attention towards the conflict in the Middle East, but there's also the cost of living, the Greenbelt scandal, and with each thing, people are just getting more and more fed up or frustrated or annoyed. And in often many cases, people are raging. 
So it's, I mean, it's a serious situation in terms of the mood and the attitude of Ontario, Ontarians right now. Yeah. I, I, the commute, the commuting and, and being stuck, either unreliable public transit or just being stuck in cars long term. Like when the, you've heard the Alberta commercials and you've seen the Alberta commercials on TV, like, hey, move to Alberta. And they do make it sound amazing to drive 18 minutes to work from Brady? anywhere in that, in that, in, in a great city. Calgary's a great city. You know this. I went out for dinner with her friend last night. She's actually one of my best friends visiting from Calgary. Mm-hmm. She just bought a three-bedroom townhouse for $400,000 in a fantastic location. And I was just looking. And she used to live in Toronto. And she's like, yeah, there's no way I could get anything like that in the outskirts, in the GTA, in the suburbs. There's nothing. I'm just shocked at the difference in housing alone. You can't buy a house here. Cost of, I No wonder people are, are raging. But we're not the angriest province in... The country. Thank heavens. Who do you think is the angriest province? Quebec. We're number two. Quebec always is. No. no. Oh, no, I'm go wrong? figure. Based on even the story that I told you, it's Alberta. Uh, okay. Alberta's really, really angry with the CP- CPP exit plan. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of anger there, but I can understand why Canadians are so frustrated. Well, I mean, I grew up is a little bit before uh, your time. I didn't grow up. I was probably eight years old when uh, there was a referendum, obviously for Quebec to leave. And then there was another one. That was 1980. Um, And then in 1995, there was another referendum and it was close. Like it was like 52 to 48, 52 stay as part of Canada, 48, let's pack up and get out. And, uh, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to see Alberta get to that point. Cause how could they're in the middle of the country, kind of like Quebec. How are you going to, how are you going to fly over Alberta if they try to become their own (laughs) independent nation? But I'm hoping it doesn't happen. Um, that's interesting because, like you said, cost of living's not bad. Commute's not bad. You got your oil out there. But again, I think people, I think they're frustrated with the federal government more yes. than we are necessarily here. And it's not to say that we're For not. For us, actually, the focus is the provincial government because of the yeah. rebuilt scandal, because of the cost of living, because of it's, you know, it's, it just keeps adding up. So the rage is there. All right. We saw this story and we both have different theories on it. Uh, this is from <laughs> an edition of HGTV's House Hunters, we believe. Uh, and it's a couple. Bob and Sarah, and they're buying a house in the in the great state of Minnesota, Minnesota. Um, and w- if you'll listen, Bob wants one thing, Sarah wants another thing, but Sarah seems obsessed with being close to where she works out. Listen to how many times. I know it's edited, but listen to how many times in this 40-second clip Sarah mentions a need to be close to the gym. Here it goes. I prefer to live further away from the gym. I would like to live closer to the gym. This house is 414. Okay, we got over 4,000 square feet finished. Okay. So how long is it to the gym from here? About 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Since Sarah's concerned about the drive, their agent Bill's meeting them at a house closer to the gyms. Bob loved the wooded six-acre lot, but Sarah wasn't crazy about the 45-minute drive to the gym. So now their agent's showing them a home just 15 minutes from the gym. I tried to get most of everything that you were looking for in a house, and I know close to the gym is important. So far, they've seen a five-bedroom ranch that had the rural setting Bob likes, but it was too far from the gym for Sarah. We ended up paying 500000 for this house. We realized after looking at so many homes that we needed to spend a little bit more to get near the gym. Okay. I'm obsessed with this couple, and my opening gambit to you, Shiva Siddiqui, is this girl, Sarah, 
deserves so much better than Bob. I don't oh, like Bob. My I didn't like the look of him. Why would he say, I want to live far away from... Why do you have an opinion on living far away from the gym, Bob? Are you listening to the description of these houses that are far away from the gym? They sound stunning. They're on a six-acre lot. They're in a wooded area. There's ah. 4,000 square feet. But all she can think about... It doesn't make sense to me. So you and I were talking about this last night, and I think I think there's some kind of affair or something going on at the gym. <laughs> That's, That's your think. call. Your How care. are you so obsessed? Bring the gym to your house. Jacob, the, the hunky aerobics instructor, and Sarah are are doing it behind Bob's back. Gord, do you Bob buy that theory better. that there's some kind of high infidelity happening at the, the at the f- workout facility? I don't. The first house they were offered was four fourteen, and they ended up paying half a million dollars for the house at the. 85. So she can be close. She doesn't want to be forty five minutes from her workouts. Who can blame her? Grand more, you could have got like eighty five pelotons in your house. But that's not the same. They end up. You end up. Trust me. I, I've I've had workout equipment at home. You end up drying clothes on them. But you know, you're no, no, no. You're a gym guy. You like going to the gym. So does Sarah. Right? Sarah and I. I are... hate it. I do not. I never go to the gym. I despise the gym. I work out every day, but I got the equipment in my home. Look, I, I'm I'm really happy with the person I'm with. But if anything were to happen, <laughs> I'm gonna steal Sarah away from Bob. It's a long drive to Minnesota. <laughs> it's a great state to live in. I'd do it in a second. I could do the show from there, and you wouldn't even know I was in Toronto. By the way. I loved how it's such a passive-aggressive husband-wife move where the real estate agent, Sheba, says, she says, how long is it from the gym? And the real estate agent says 20 minutes. And anytime you repeat the answer back, you're <laughs> pissed off with the, like, she's 20 minutes. Spoken like a married man. Or, or you know, if our, if our boss says, hey, team, I need Toronto today to work this Sunday, we'd be like, this Sunday. That's what we would say. <laughs> but we're just, did I hear that right? Is there wax in my ears?